Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church, luckiest man in the world, and delighted to welcome you. All of you in cafe this morning, man, I love you guys so much. Uh, make it great in there this morning. Lift up the name of the Lord Jesus and worship him together with us. It is World Missions Day for us. Today is the day that we uh, celebrate and collect our gift for Jesus to the world. It's our one missions offering for the entire year. Our goal today is $50,000. If you're joining us by audio or video or podcast, I don't know if that sounds like a lot of money or not so much money from where you're from, but that's a lot of money from where we are from. So we want to look today to God's Word. Mark chapter 6. It is uh, actually officially Christmas at my house. You know how I know it's the sign that I can't control, but I know when Christmas comes, when you know, we've got the wreath on the front door, when we open the door and the first birds fly in. We know that is, is that just our house or does anybody else have that, that deal? Birds build nests in, in the wreath and we open the door and the birds all fly in the house. Is that only at our house? Is that a special sign? Matt Betts walked in my house last night, the door flew open and birds, they were either coming off the wreath or out of his beard. I'm not sure. They could have just been <laughs> flying out of a three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge coming out of his beard. Uh, it is possible. It's, it's completely possible. Wow, great commission. Go you into all the world uh, and preach the gospel. That's, that is a great commission. And, and we are a small church. It's obviously not all up to us, but part of that's ours. And our part's probably already bigger than we can imagine. It's kind of like on Sunday morning sometimes when I, when I stand and, and open the door for, for you people. I, I love you guys so much. I get here early. I can't wait till you get here. Uh, I'm nearly running out to your car to bring you in. I'm so excited to see you. So I'll often stand and, and, and hold the door. Have you ever st- stood and held the door for people before? I, I'm, you know, I got to preach, so I can't stand out there all day, but I'll open the door and I'll see somebody and I'll say, hey, come on in. And they'll say, hey, thank you, Brother Tim. Thank you. And then I'll look and there's somebody else coming. And you don't want to just shut the door in somebody's face. So I stand there and wait for them. And they're coming on through. Hey, Brother Tim, thank you. Good morning. You know, good morning. You know, thank you. You're welcome. And, and I look and, well, there's somebody else coming now. So I'm still holding the door. And, and once you start holding the door like that, you, you have found a full-time job, you, you, you know? And so the first person says, thank you, Brother Tim. And the second person says, thank you, Brother Tim. And then the 100th person says, thank you, Brother Tim. And I start out feeling really good about this. I'm so happy to see you. And finally, I'm thinking, will you people just quit? You know, you know, I can't hold the door all day long. And the thing is, there's always another person. It's like the whole world is coming in and I'm, I'm still holding the door. And I don't really want to shut the door in somebody's face, but eventually I just do. I mean, eventually I've got to close the door and, and come in. You, you understand? It, it just seems like once I start that the, the floodgates open and, and, and the people just start to stream through. It, it sort of reminds me of Mark chapter 6 where, where the disciples are standing here and what have front of what must have seemed like the whole world. Just a dozen men and thousands and thousands of people. And Jesus says, feed them. It had to seem like Jesus was asking them to feed the whole hungry world. You understand? It's a story you've heard, but maybe perhaps haven't read in a while. Let's go back to Mark chapter 6, verse 30, and look at how Jesus feeds the 5,000. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. 
And Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves in a quiet place and rest a while. Okay, okay, okay. is that a joke? Y'all know that this story, we're going to do what? We're going to, we're going to feed the 5,000. But what does Jesus say? Let's go off by ourselves for a while and rest. Okay, let's see how that goes. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? Jesus asked, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover. Did you hear that word? Leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. You've probably read or heard this story, but have you ever just backed up and, and understood how we got here? That there are really two stories that, that come before this story in, in Mark chapter 6 and elsewhere. This is the one miracle that's recorded in every single one of the Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. And, and what leads up to this story I think is very significant. If you just go back to the immediate passage, what happens right before this, starting about in verse 14 of Mark 6, what happens? You can cheat and read the heading. What what happens? Yeah, John the baptizer is killed. Now remember, it's John who came first. It's John who prepared the way for the Lord. It, It is John the baptizer who was being followed by several of the ones who later became the followers, the disciples of Jesus. A lot of these 12, understand, they were followers of John first. So they loved John. They knew John. They believed in John. And Jesus himself once said that of all the women, all the men ever born of women, John the baptizer was the greatest. So Jesus himself loved John. So understand, when John the baptizer is beheaded, he's he's killed in the most brutal and, and callous way possible. When he is killed, this is an emotional wallop for Jesus and the disciples. In every account, it's, a, it's an emotional punch in the gut. They need to grieve. And that's at least part of the reason why Jesus says, let's go, let's, let's go away. It's got to do with the grieving of, of John the baptizer. But back up, even before that, before that story, what happens back there about verse 6? What happens there? 
Jesus has just done what for the first time? He sent out the 12 disciples. He sent them out on mission into the world. And it's fantastic. They, they have become a part of what Jesus himself is doing in the entire world. They've, they've suddenly taken their place that they've stepped up. It was they who got to preach the name of Jesus. It is they, the 12 disciples, who healed and cast out demons. It was the 12 disciples who did it. And they were uh, amazingly successful. And they've come back telling Jesus about how people repented, people listened, people were healed. They've come back telling the stories. And it's amazing that the 12 disciples have gone out and come back with amazing stories to tell, and they're still exhausted. I mean, they're exhausted. It's great that they become a part of the mission, but now they're tired that they've served in a big way, and they've been out there so long, they haven't even had a chance to eat. That's what the scripture says. Because the people, the needs of the people, the crushing needs of the people have just been endless. And so the disciples have worked and worked and worked and worked for the Lord to the point where now they haven't even had a chance to eat. So Jesus says, come away now with me. Come away. Let's rest. So they're physically exhausted and emotionally very, very in in need. And it's at that very moment, that very moment that Jesus has come away with me. But, But now what happens? Jesus has come away. Let's spend some time just us guys. And how does that work out? You see, that's the point. Once you start meeting the needs of people, there's no end to it. There's no end. And now the people have followed them home. He sent the disciples out to them, but, but now the people have followed the disciples back and the people have followed Jesus. There is no being alone now that they are public. They have made their ministry public and the people are never going to stop lining up. Do you see that? Do you ever experience that? Because I'm telling you, something tells me that when Woodburn Baptist Church, when we really ever truly begin to lift up the name of Jesus and not just lift up our own names... Something tells me when we really begin to meet the needs of the people out there and not just the people in here, when we really step out in a big way to take our place doing the mission of Jesus in this world, something tells me the people will start coming here. People have a way of going where their needs are met. People have a way of going where they can really find out where there is bread for their souls, where there is light for their darkness. People need the Lord. People need Jesus. And when Jesus is lifted up, people come to him. So Jesus says, come away, let's go rest. And they go to a very remote place, but understand, the the crowds beat them there. The crowds follow them there. So even there, in the middle of the wilderness, in the place that they had selected to rest and to grieve, the people never stop. The needs never end. And it's at that very moment, the disciples themselves now have worked and worked and worked, and they've given all that they've got. They haven't even eaten themselves. And then Jesus looks out to the crowd and says, feed them. They haven't even eaten themselves. And Jesus says, feed them. You know, first what happens is the disciples have got to see the people, and they're worn out, and they're hungry. So the disciples say, Jesus, I think it's time we dismiss this service. Why doesn't somebody just say the final prayer? Jesus, would you just close us in prayer, say amen, and let's let all these good people go home. And then Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the plan. You feed them. And the disciples say, with what? With what? 
I mean, they're not being sarcastic and, and understand you and I, we laugh at that <laughs> because this is the story called Jesus feeds the 5,000, but they've never read the story of Jesus feeds the 5,000. They've never read this story. All they know is that they are exhausted in need of rest, in need of food. And Jesus says about that point, hey, see those thousands and thousands of people out there? Why don't y'all just feed them? With what? Okay, let's just stop right there because this has a whole lot to do with missions and the Great Commission. And it has everything to do with your life. Here's a principle of the Christian life right here. Jesus will command you to do what is impossible for you to do. Jesus will command you to do what is impossible for you to do. In the same way that Jesus looked at the disciples and says, feed them. He knows that they can't do that. He knows, though, that it's still going to happen. And he's given them this amazing opportunity to have a front row seat to something awesome. You understand? He's not trying to embarrass them. He's not trying to put them in their place. He's just giving them an opportunity to see God do something great. Jesus will command you to do what is impossible for you to do. Jesus will command you to do what is impossible for you to do for the simple reason that Jesus loves doing the impossible. He loves to do the impossible because there's nothing that's impossible for him. So he doesn't stop. He doesn't stutter. He doesn't in any way shrink back from something that looks big to us because there is nothing too big for him. So Jesus loves to do the impossible, and Jesus loves to do his impossible work through us. That's kind of the funny part. He loves to do these things through us. And while nothing is impossible for him, most everything is impossible for me. You should have seen me trying to catch two birds in my house last night. I mean, there's a whole lot that's impossible for me and a whole lot that's probably not impossible, but I think it's impossible, so I don't even try. I mean, that's just you and me. There's a whole lot. I mean, nearly everything impossible for us, but nothing impossible for him. And, and that's the thing. He invites us. He, he allows us to be a part of the impossible work that he does. We get to look like we do it when it's always Jesus doing it through us. He gives us a front row seat, a front row seat to what he's going to do in the world. And what he does is amazing. It is miraculous. And somehow we get to be standing there looking like we're doing it. Jesus says, you feed them. Even Jesus knows they ain't going to feed them. But you know, we'll let you hold the basket. And I will bless and multiply the loaves. You understand? He lets the disciples be there. He lets the disciples do his work, even though it's Jesus doing the work through them. Because Jesus just loves this. He loves this. He loves the world. He loves feeding the multitude. He loves doing the impossible. And he loves using impossible people to do it. This is our lives, you all. When you follow Jesus, he's going to ask you, ask as a kind, he's going to command you to do something that seems impossible for you. What do you do when Jesus puts you in those moments? When Jesus sets you up for that sort of opportunity, what do you do when Jesus puts you into a place that's way too big for you to fill? What do you do? 
Sadly, most of us never, ever step into those places. Even if Jesus is calling us to do it, we just can't do it. We can never get over that incredible fear that we're going to fail. We can never get over the incredible fear that we will step out somehow and be embarrassed because we're going to try something that we can never, ever do. Even though it's Jesus calling you to do it, we just don't step out. Most people of this church, most people you know, most Christians alive in the world, they'll live their entire life of nothing special because they never, ever step out obediently when Jesus says, come. Feed them. Go into the world. Plant churches. Do something. What is it with us? Well, what it is with us is when Jesus says, feed them, we always come back with the response, with what? I mean, mean, with what? I mean, Jesus knows what he's going to do. Jesus knows what he can do. But honestly, they've never seen Jesus do this. And Jesus didn't say, watch me feed him. Jesus says, you feed him. And so their response at this point is is just human. They're just like, with what? Jesus says, how much bread do you have? Now, remember the, the Tim Harris rule of biblical interpretation. When Jesus asks a question, what? It's never because there's something he doesn't know. You know, so Jesus, I'm, I'm, he's got to be cracking himself up <laughs> because he knows nobody's got a bread truck out there, you know. Well, how much bread do you have? Why don't you go find out, you know? Oh, my goodness. So they go, they, they, they do an inventory. They, they go through the crowd trying to see, does anybody have anything? And what do they come up with? Five loaves. What do you picture when we say loaf? What do you picture? Like a sack of bread, like a loaf of bread, you know, five loaves. We're, we're not talking about loaves like that. We're probably talking about lumps, lumps. Somebody made bread that morning, and, and they would have made it in small lumps. So we're talking about maybe something about the size, maybe something more like five biscuits. How's that? Does that help you? Like five biscuits and, and two fish. We know from one of the other tellings of the story that this is the lunch belonging to a small boy. So it's, it's a little boy's lunch. So this is like the equivalent of a can of Vienna sausages and a couple of crackers. Seriously. It's, it's that sort of lunch. This isn't a lot. You know, don't, don't, don't picture like five big old fish. We're talking about, you know, probably sardines sort of thing. Five, you know, lumps of bread, five biscuits, and, and a couple of small, probably dried, salted fish. It's, it's the lunch of a small boy. They bring that to Jesus. They bring that to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Have everybody sit down. What? What? Jesus is about to feed them. He's about to start this lunch. And what do they have? Five loaves, two fish. Here's the trick. You have to understand this. You will always have everything you need to do what Jesus asks. You will always have everything you need. Jesus is never ever going to call you to do something that he's not going to provide everything necessary. I don't mean that you're going to kick in what you have and then Jesus will make up the difference. No, you don't have anything. I mean, yeah, they had, you know, five biscuits and a couple of dried fish, but I'm telling you, when you're looking at 5,000 people, that's not anything. That's not anything. 
What they have is so inadequate. What they have is never going to be enough. But what they have is exactly enough because you will always have everything you need. Jesus is not going to send you out there and not provide. It's never happened, and it's not going to happen to you. If he calls you, he will take care of you. He will provide for you. That does not mean he won't scare you to death. He scares them to death because he says, that's good. Bring it to me. And they bring in this tiny little, this tiny little double handful of food, and they're about to feed thousands and thousands of people. But what happens? Well, they give it to Jesus. There's a whole sermon right there. They give it to Jesus. Something amazing happens when you give what you have to Jesus. You just give it to him. Now, sometimes when we don't have much, it's harder to give it up. Understand, go back to the beginning of this story. They haven't eaten yet. Peter's thinking to himself... Those biscuits and fish are never going to feed 5,000, but they'd probably feed me. They'd make me awful happy. Do you understand? There's this tendency to want to hold on to what we have because we have needs too. We talk about planting 20 churches by 2020, and sometimes we think, well, 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 Pastor Tim, there's a church right here. We can't just give everything we have away to start other churches, can we? I mean, it feels that way. It feels like we need to hold on to what we have so that we can take care of what we have. But that's not the way the kingdom of God works. Because something amazing happens when we just give what we have. Jesus takes it. Jesus blesses it. And then he does what? He multiplies it. He multiplies it. Now, I don't know exactly how this looked. I don't know how this happened. I know they had a bunch of empty baskets around. And somehow, Jesus started breaking that bread. And he'd break a biscuit in two, and he'd break it in two, and he'd break it in two. Somehow, it just kept multiplying. The little bit he started with just went so far. You and I could have never done that. We can't bless and multiply things, but Jesus can. And in his hands, that little bit did everything it was supposed to do. You will always have everything you need to do what Jesus wants you to do. You say, but, but Pastor Tim, I don't always have everything I need. Right now, my family's really struggling. Right now, our church may be struggling in ways that we don't even understand. We don't always have everything we need. Okay, but see, there's this important phrase at the end. We have everything we need to do what Jesus wants us to do. We have all of the time to do what Jesus wants us to do. We have all of the money to do it. I mean, we have everything we need always. The problem is there's a whole lot of things we want to do that Jesus never asked us to do. There's no promise that you'll have everything you need to do, everything you want to do. The promise is when you're following Jesus, you'll have everything you need to do, everything he wants you to do. Period. So Jesus says, feed him. He blesses the food, multiplies it. The disciples get to go and feed him. The people are separated now in, in families in fifties and hundreds, small groups. Disciples go and feed them. I'd be so nervous. People reaching in that basket. You know, you get to Jimmy White and he reaches and gets two handfuls of food. And you think, oh my, oh my goodness, you know, we don't have enough for that. You know, you know somebody reaches in, kids just start grabbing fish. You're thinking, no, you know, we don't have that much. But 
There's, there's got to be a shortage here, you understand? People, it says, get all they want. This becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet kind of thing. Do you understand this? People eat everything they want. At the end, you know, people like unbutton, you know, the top button of their pants and sitting around, you know, doing this kind. Of, I mean, no lie. I mean, I mean, people are like, whoa, you know, you know, I have to take a nap now. I mean, it's, it's that sort of meal. They ate everything they wanted. Then what? I remind you how this started. It started with 12 really hungry disciples. They hadn't eaten. That they had not eaten. And when they said, all we got is five loaves and two fish, that's what they meant. That's all we got. And now they done fed thousands of people and they're still hungry. On top of that, Jesus had set them up. He said, hey, let's go out here by ourselves and rest a while. Okay, how'd that turn out? Have we been by ourselves yet? Have we rested yet? Twelve guys just had to cater this entire all-you-can-eat thing. They were going out for rest and to grieve, and it's turned into all of this. And now, at the end of all of this, they fed 5,000, and they still haven't eaten. And then what comes next? Jesus says, you boys better clean up this mess. You ever seen 5,000 people eat? Man, all the people are gone now. It's just trashed. You know, it's like Woodstock just happened. You got napkins and cups and you got fish bones just everywhere. And now the disciples, the 12 of them, got to go clean everything up. But what did they find? What did they find in in all those paper napkins and all the trash and all the leftovers? What, What did they find? They found leftovers. Leftovers. Only Jesus could start with what we'd call not enough and end up with leftovers. They find leftovers, but but interestingly, they don't just find some leftovers. They find exactly what? They find exactly 12 baskets of leftovers. Not 12, you know, sacks, 12 Baskets. This is a tremendous amount of food, which is the basic reminder Jesus always rewards the ones who do his work. Jesus has not forgotten them. He's not going to have them feed the world and then starve themselves. He's not going to have them serve and serve and serve and not be refreshed. Jesus rewards them. There are exactly 12 baskets left. One basket for each disciple. Do you see that? Do you understand that? Now, remember, how much did they kick in? Technically nothing. The the five loaves of two fish came from some random kid. These disciples kicked in nothing to this. They didn't bring it in potluck. They had nothing in this, but when it's all over, they have a basket, a piece of food. They didn't put anything in, but they get so much more out of it. Is it not always that way when you serve the Lord? Do you not always step out and say, man, I got so much more out of that than I could have ever put into it? It's always that way. It's always that way. So, but before we collect our gift for Jesus to the world for, for missions... Let's go over a couple of lessons of this story, can we? First off, it all begins 
with the compassion of Jesus for the world. You see that? Disciples were tired. The disciples were grieving. But Jesus never lost sight of a hungry and lost world. To him, they were still sheep without a shepherd that he would never turn his back on. It all begins because Jesus looks upon the people and has compassion. Woodburn, we need to look at the world and have compassion. Compassion is a spiritual quality, and if we don't have it, it's a spiritual deficit. It's a spiritual problem. That compassion comes from Jesus. Jesus loves the world. From there, somebody has to sacrifice. Somebody has to give. And in this case, it turns out to be the disciples who give so much of themselves, but the boy who gives up the only lunch he's got. And it seems like so little, but, but what we have always seems like little. I don't know, last week I was talking about the offering. I said, come prepared to give next week. And I said, make your gift for Jesus to the world, the biggest Christmas present you offer. And then I said, if you're giving your wife a fur coat for $10,000, your gift for Jesus to the world ought to be 10001 And everybody went, ho, 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 ho. Except I know. I don't think any of us live in a fur coat world. I'm giving out fur coats around here. Some of you have lost jobs. You're never asked to give what you can't give. Never being asked to give what you can't give, but you give what you can give. That's always what you do. You give what you can. And some of us have more to give than others. It really doesn't matter what anybody else gives. That boy gave what he had, and Jesus took that, and it was enough. Just, just give. I mean, somebody has to give. This morning, I'm asking it to be you. Give. I'm going to give. Let's give. Somebody has to give, and then, and, and then Jesus will take it, and Jesus will m- multiply it. And, and, and that's the point. Jesus always does a whole lot with just a little. It's this great commission to reach the whole world, and it just looks like we'll never, ever do that. that. That is a global kind of task that none of us can possibly do. But if we'll just step into this, it's, it's Jesus' work. He will see that it happens. Jesus does a lot with a little. He always, always does. Let's just give him the little that we have. And then notice it's an amazing thing because in church life this never happens. But at the end of this story, everybody got what they wanted. Everybody gets what they want. Everybody's satisfied. I mean, I give a kidney out of my body just one Sunday out of my life to satisfy every one of you people. Everybody's satisfied. What's the key to that? Well, the key to that is making sure that Jesus himself is satisfied. When Jesus gets what he wants, everybody else gets what they want. We've got to put Jesus first. We see that his will is done. And when Jesus' will becomes our priority, we're going to find out that we all get what we want. Everybody's satisfied when Jesus gets his way. And in the end, there's nothing wasted. When I give money to anything, I, I don't want to think that my money, that, that, that the money I sacrificed to give was not actually needed or that it was wasted on something else. In this story, there's this amazing abundance. Jesus multiplies, and, and, and that small bit just spreads and spreads and spreads. But at the same time, there is not one crumb wasted. 
when it comes to this missions offering, this goes straight to missions, you all. This isn't going to do anything for this church. This isn't going to buy uh, paint for the walls or even electric, electricity, you know, paying the bills. It's nothing like that. This is missions, all missions. Not a penny will be wasted. When, because when you're feeding a hungry, hungry world, you can't afford to waste the bread. And truly, that's what we're doing understand? It seems like an amazing task. It seems like a task that will never end to, to somehow reach the world, to somehow plant churches, to spread the gospel in the entire hungry world. But that's exactly what we're called to do. There's a lost and hungry world. And Jesus looks to us and says, go to them. Feed them the bread of the gospel for a hungry world. Take it to them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is you who has said that where our money is, there our heart will be also. Our heart has a terrible habit of following our money. So Lord Jesus, today, as we make this offering... May we give our money to you so that you may also have our hearts. May we give our money to you for the sake of the world so that we can learn to love the world the way that you love the world. It seems like an impossible task, Lord, to reach the whole world. Lord, truly, that's the way you have called us to a life without borders, to a gospel, Lord, without limits, to a mission without an end. Lord, the Difficult part of that is it demands resources. And for us, resources are not unlimited, Lord. We only have so much. But Lord, today, we will give you what we have. And we will trust, Lord, that you will bless and you will multiply. And what we give, Lord, will be enough to do exactly what you want us to do. Help us, Lord, to do exactly nothing less than what you have called us to do. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.